Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. We're glad you're here. This is episode 53, and we're going to be talking about that elusive idea of success. And uh, so many have reached out and given us great feedback about the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, the comment that we get most often is, why don't you have it more often? It At the moment, it's once a week. And the answer to that is, it's really important to me that every podcast is actionable, that it's not theory that it's not just super fun to talk to somebody, but rather the information is going to help you take some step in your business that will improve your business and improve your life. And in order to uh, create that type of programming, it, it takes a fair amount of work on our end to do the research. So after I talk to an amazing guest, I will actually go and do the things that they recommend. And in a couple of cases, we've had to um, not in fact, air interviews because there just isn't the actionable advice that I think is going to benefit you. So for now, I'm being typically a control freak, which I think many of you can relate to, and we're going to stick to once a week. However, Cheryl and I have been talking about doing a members-only podcast that would be additional, uh, which could be very exciting, in which we will discuss the 15 steps in a more in-depth way. So look for that. And speaking of Cheryl, today's guest happens to be Cheryl's sister. Christine Horn is a celebrated actor. If you saw Stone Angel, she played the younger Ellen Burstyn and she stole that movie as far as I'm concerned. It was a riveting performance. You might have seen her in Hyena Road. Uh, she's swinging a gun around in that one, which was kind of cool. Um, I've flipped on the television set and I've seen her in a hospital scene and I've seen her in a lawyer scene and from time to time she just shows up. Her real passion though is theater and I have had the pleasure of seeing her in more than one production. And I have goosebumps thinking about what a powerful performer she is and there's zero doubt in my mind that she is a successful actor. And yet what prompted this particular podcast is something I read uh, in Intermission, which uh, Christine had written. And it has to do with the fact that you could be in the eyes of the world, a huge success and still not know how you're going to pay your rent next month. There are peaks and valleys in the career of an artist. And we all relate to that, right? It's booming, life is great, and suddenly, bam, a recession, and nobody's phoning the office. Or you have the most amazing project of your career, and it's going great, and you realize you have nothing starting six months from now, and you wonder, oh my gosh, is this the last time I'm ever going to work? The more we dug into the topic of success, the more I found I could relate to Christine, even though what we do for a living is wildly different. We talked about professional envy. Um, now, probably none of you have ever felt that, but I'm going to admit that sometimes I pick up the cover of a 
design magazine and I see someone and I think, hmm, you know, why isn't that me? Or um, I want a particular commercial that I'm up for uh, as a design professional and somebody else gets it. Why isn't that me? So I can cop to having those less than generous feelings. And I know that those aren't healthy for me. I know that they're not good for me. And I know it's not right and it's not fair. And the way for me out of that is to actually um, send up a blessing for that person who got the thing that I wanted. You know, uh, I'm so excited for so-and-so. It's an amazing opportunity for her. There's plenty to go around. And I release her to the universe with love kind of thing. I know that's kind of new agey for some of you, but remember I'm from Los Angeles, so you'll give me a pass on that. Um, So we talk about professional envy and how real that can be. And the fact that it's very dangerous to compare your insides, your emotions, your feeling, what's going on in your life with the outside of anybody else. So every time on social media, somebody's doing something amazing and you're like, wow, I'm not doing anything amazing. You're comparing your insides to their outside. And that's a no win game. Christine also wins the award for sharing what I think is the best design intervention I've heard. Uh, It's certainly timely for me. And that is this, as an artist, sometimes the only thing you can do to shape your career or shape your destiny is to say no. Just let that sink in for a minute. You know, we do talk in this episode about the fact that if you are starving, if you don't have enough work, you're going to take the job you don't want to take. And there's no shame in that. That is okay. But when you get to a certain place and you can begin to be a bit more selective, saying no is sometimes the only powerful thing we can do to shape what's going to happen for us down the road. This week, I soon gave me a call and said we had uh, a potential client phone in and it's an amazing job. It's a perfect job for us. It's a huge design build project, top to bottom. They were all excited about it. I soon booked the consultation. And then the client got back to her and said uh, she wanted to send me all the plans that they had thus far and her Pinterest board and a variety of elements so I could prepare myself for the consultation uh, for the consultation I soon explained of course that we don't do that I'll show up at the consultation and we can review everything then and the client was very unhappy she thought it was unprofessional that I would show up to the consultation unprepared and I soon did her best to explain it to her uh, but could sense that it really wasn't sinking in uh, she phoned back a few hours later and asked if I soon could provide her with any references, which uh, is something that used to happen a lot when I first started in my career, but now happens quite infrequently because I've had so many things published with clients who talk about me. I've got uh, online reviews of my work with a picture of the person who's saying it, etc. So that seemed a bit odd. And then she phoned back a third time to ask I soon if we could send her some photos of projects we think are similar to hers. So I soon at that point phoned me and said, I'm saying no to this job. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how big the budget is. This is not a job that's going to be satisfying to us in any way. So she did. She said no. And the woman was very, very unhappy. But the truth is, 
finally, at this point in my career, I can say no to a job that feels like it's going to be more of a drain. And again, I'm sorry if I overemphasize this, but I really want to shout out to those of you who are just starting out or haven't quite gotten in your groove and you don't have enough work. I get that that seems impossible and you're going to take that job. So you just keep doing what you need to do to survive and really practice what we're teaching here at Business of Design and you will find that you'll be in that position where you can say no to jobs uh, in the future for sure. I can guarantee it if you'll make these changes. So anyway, really excited to talk to Christine. And before we talk to Christine, let's talk to her sister, Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, guess who's on the show today? Who is it? <laughs> it's your sister, Christine. We, oh, yeah, I'm, we rec- I'm excited to hear this one. Yeah, yeah, we recorded this ages ago because she wrote that article for Intermission about how she was on every cover of the magazine. She had a TV right. show and a whatever going on, and yet she didn't know how she was going to pay the bills. So I think our design community is really going to be able to relate to that. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to hear it. Okay, so what do we have going on? Uh, we've got a couple of events coming up. Next week, um, we've got our group coaching session on March 28th. So make sure you sign up for that webinar. Even if you're not able to attend, um, you'll get a copy of the webinar recording sent to you right after. So again, that's coming up on the 28th. And then on, we're trying something new. We're doing an, a meetup, a business of designs meetup in LA on May 2nd, and it's being hosted by Kravitz. So how about you tell people what to expect there? Okay. So if you are familiar with business of design, come out. If you're not familiar with business of design, but you just want to hang out with interior designers in your hood, then we are going to meet up at 2 p.m. and we're going to have a round table discussion about some of the challenges that everybody is facing these days in their businesses, in their individual businesses, and as a community, I think as well. So come on out. You can RSVP for the event. It is free. We promise to uh, give you something to drink and something to nibble on and plenty of food for thought as well. And like you said, it's kind of the first one we're doing. A couple of uh, members have reached out and they're in Los Angeles as I am. And they say, why don't we just do something and get together? So the plan is that we're going to have this, you know, coaching session and we're going to record part of it for a podcast as well. So please, everybody come on out. If you're in the LA neighborhood, we would love to get to know you better. 2 p.m. at the Pacific Design Center on Melrose. Details on our website. Yeah, go to businessofdesign.com and you can register there. Um, and then also, I think we should mention Palm Springs because we are getting close to sold out already. And that's coming up in October 18th to 21st. Um, and if you register before April 1st we're, or April 15th, sorry, uh, we're only asking for a 50% deposit, but we are... Um, really close to sold out. So make sure you uh, check that out and register for that. Yes. And I have a meeting tomorrow with the president of Modernism Week to see what we can do just for our group. And uh, your learnings will take place in a beautiful home uh, with a pool nearby. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but you will work hard and and, uh, I promise it'll be worthwhile. So do come out to the Elite Retreat October 18th to the 21st and the fee is $24.99. Yes, looking forward to it. Me too. All right, everybody. Thanks, Cheryl, so much. Okay, take care. Bye. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. 
Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think design matter too. Hey, Christine, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Do you have your little one nearby? She's just, just gone down for a nap, so I can hear her sort of talking to herself uh, from upstairs. So she's close, close, but not... uh, not going to be disruptive. Oh, no, we're not worried about that. If she if she is, she is. We'll take what we get because we so appreciate your time. Oh, okay, great. And I'm going to launch in by reading something that you wrote, which was actually the impetus for this interview. Um, because when I read this, I actually got goosebumps thinking about how this impacted, oh. how this applied to my life, even though I'm not an actor, uh-huh. I'm an interior designer. But but this is, this is the article that made us reach out and ask Christine if she she would give us her time. And it says, the week of September 20th, 2012, I was on the cover of Now Magazine for their fall theater preview. I was opening a play with Nightwood Theater, starring in a new two-hander opposite one of my acting idols, the great Susan Coyne. I had recently closed Iceland, a sold-out summer works hit that would later go on to win the playwright Nicholas Billen, the Governor General's Award. I also couldn't pay my rent. And there's just something that goes to the core of every person who endeavors to make a living as an artist in reading mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. wow, thank you for sharing that. So tell us about that period <laughs> of your life and what's happened since. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I don't think at the time I kind of realized that it was going to be this sort of benchmark um, for me, but it, but it sort of afterwards I would kind of look back on that this sort of particular week in my life where in like professionally it was like everything was awesome (laughs) and but you know within sort of the rest of my life it was a bit of a disaster um and I thought that it was such a it kind of encapsulated like my whole kind of uh career that it sort of can often look quite good and look like you know, somebody who's really kind of made it. And then what does that mean? Like how, how, how are we actually, if I'm also freaking out about my finances or whatever, or at the same time, how, how are we defining a successful, um, a successful artist or an actor or, or just a, a kind of person? And the, the, um, perception of, of that of success or succeeding versus how that actually, uh, feels. Um, and, uh, and that's really continued. Um, that was, a, I think, a particularly kind of acute time. Um, but I've had other, other periods that are exactly like that. Um, but that sort of feels like my general, I'm kind of always living in, living in that where, where I think I kind of look like I'm doing pretty good. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, like anybody else, it's just like needing to kind of, you know, we all need to work and we all have to pay our rent. And, and all those kind of struggles, just like any other, um, you know, self-employed contract 
worker. Right. And there's two ways we can veer from here, right? We can, we can look at that person who's not as far ahead in their career as you and say, they feel that all the time. But I bet if you look at somebody who's achieved a kind of a mega stardom, whatever that means, that they have remnants of feeling exactly like this, even though they've starred in an Indiana Jones film or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's no job security. Every, it really does feel like everything, every job, like I just finished working on a play and I have no work coming up that I know of. So, so I could actually never work again. You know, it's a weird thing where it's like, that might've been the end of my career. Right. <laughs> like we don't, you don't know. And right now there's all these design professionals driving in their cars or sitting on a subway or listen, listening <laughs> to this somewhere. And they're like going, Oh my God, she's yeah. talking about me. Like every single great job. Yeah. I think this could, this could be the last yeah. great job I ever get. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so how do you reconcile <laughs> yes, that? What do you, what do you do to talk yourself off the ledge? And so, you know, that's the emotional side of it. And then what do you do yeah. physically to make sure you get yourself out of that and back into what is more likely to be your reality? Yeah, um, I think it's, I think, you know, I, I have to, I will kind of, and I have, you know, friends who will, and my husband and people who will sort of also help sort of talk me out of it and say like it it always works out there every time you feel like this something does come along and that's true in some way but you can't necessarily just trust <laughs> trust that um and so I've had to get sort of better at going okay well what am I going to do to um kind of pursue the next thing and what can I how can I be kind of proactive because it's also and I don't know if this is the same for for um designers but there, there can be a lot of like waiting for somebody to approach you and mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to ask or, you know, re- to, and, and so it's, it's hard sometimes to feel like, how do I, um, how do I pursue these opportunities or who can I reach out to without feeling kind of gross <laughs> or <Yep>. desperate <laughs> or, you know, it's a weird balance of like, how do I like go hire somebody, hire me. Um, how do you do that and still maintain your dignity? Right. Um, and if you ask and, directly uh, but, to be you know, hired, to what, yeah. And if you ask directly to be hired, does that mean you're a loser? Because shouldn't people be pursuing yeah, you exactly. and not the other way around? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 So this touches a and little that's my, bit. I feel like that's my dream is to like not, is to just have people just ask me to do stuff. That's like, I would feel like the most successful actor in the world if that was just people just sort of asked me to do stuff <laughs> and I never had to do that. I never had to audition. I never had to like write anybody an email. Um, that would be amazing. But can you imagine a scenario where that is happening in your life and still you're struggling with some of these same issues? Oh yeah. 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 So it's a yeah, bit always. of a false promise, isn't it? To think that when you get the next job or the next level or the next paycheck, then you're going to be okay with all of this. The fact is, this is probably a reality yeah. for most of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's no, like, there's no uh, making it, really. This is happy and um, optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like, I, yeah, it's a hard, I mean, that, and I think that's why it's a hard, why, you know, that's, that's why so many, you know, I went to school with, I graduated my acting class, graduated 14 actors, I think. 
And I think I'm the only one who does it for a living. Right. Because it's, it's just hard. And they, you know, people also just find other things they like doing better. Um, but there is, I think the, the, um, it's a hard, it's the, in terms of all the other parts, it is ultimately just a job. It's a job that we love and it's a wonderful way to, to live your life. And a, and a very, um, uh, a, a great thing to do with your life. But there are other parts of your life. Like people want to be able to have a family. They want to travel. They want to like, you know, eat in nice restaurant, whatever. But there's other things about living your life that, that it, that, you know, a, a more stable job can uh, facilitate and I totally understand um, wanting to have them just be more comfortable in the rest of your life um, and yeah. so finding other things that that can let you do that right I totally I, get it I think everybody's going to relate exactly to that experience of having gone to design school and most of the people you graduated never work in interior design ever again. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. they run they run from yeah. it like they're on fire in some cases. Like, oh my God, this yeah. is the worst job ever. But the um, yeah. it takes a lot of inner fortitude to keep going and make mistakes mm-hmm. and get panned and pick yourself up and start again. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about because we had someone on the podcast, Bruce Phelps talked about imposter syndrome. Um and that's kind mm-hmm. of I could mm-hmm. relate to that. Like why would why would you hire me? Why why me? I'm yes. so bad at this. Yeah. Isn't there someone good you could hire? Like does that go through yes. your mind despite levels of success? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. Um uh yeah, yeah. Uh but I think too there's a I find I feel like I have to kind of make, I think that's why when I wrote that, um, I wrote that, that piece, there was something so kind of liberating about just being able to, and it was, so it was, um, actually for a publication called intermission, um, uh, which is an online uh, magazine about theater, um, community. And it was that I think is still their highest. That was read more than any other piece, like by quite a wide margin. Um, that they've ever published because it, I think so many people felt like that, but there was something so liberating about being able to go, I'm broke and I'm insecure and I'm tired of like having to talk to people after a show. And they're like, so what's coming up next or how are you doing? And kind of pretending that everything is great. Right. Um, and that I was told, you know, it was, I feel like that imposter stuff, just like out in the world, having to maintain this illusion that I am something, uh, was, um, that is kind of exhausting. And I always was like, I get, and I'm just so, I'm kind of bad at, like I'm bad at small talk and I'm bad at, you know, so I was always like, they can tell that I'm just lying, that I'm just like, you know, inside I'm totally like freaking out. <laughs> um, and, uh, they can tell, and I'm like, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Oh yeah. No, I don't have anything coming up, but you know, like, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to death actually now. Death is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a really death fast death because there's nothing <laughs> on my calendar. There's nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. Okay. So yeah, I hate, hate small <laughs> talk. I'm terrible at networking. It's my, like my biggest nightmare yeah. is going to an industry party where I have to like just net, what, mm. what does even networking mean? Like I just go right to the bar and I drink know. tequila and then, and that's that. So, 
Um, yeah, I find one person that I know already, and then I talk to them the entire night. Yeah. I don't meet new people. I don't network. <laughs> I don't do anything. No. I actually had to hire a business coach. And I, uh, um, in fact, of course, Cheryl, Cheryl knows this story. But when I go to an industry event, I actually give myself a goal. I can't leave until I meet two new people and figure out how we're going to oh. do something together, which at least gives me like, I'm so like task oriented. Okay, I'll take that task and I can yes. do that task and I'll do it really quickly. And then I'm out of there, right? As fast as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's smart. This mo- very smart. This morning, as I was about to phone you, of course, Cheryl reached out and then sent me this article that Michael Redhill had written uh-huh. or was written about, and that yes. another example. Like, tell tell the story about Michael, and then we're going to share a link to the picture that came with the article. Sure. So, um, Michael Redhill just won the Giller Prize for his novel that I think is called Bellevue Square. Yes, that's, that's right. Sort of falling out of my head. I think it's Bellevue Square. And um, so the Giller Prize is uh, a $100,000 cash um, reward uh, for, a, um, for a book. Uh, and, and so Michael Redhill published this thing with a picture of his um, bank statement from when he, he went and deposited his $100,000 check. And his, after depositing that check, his bank balance was $100,000. $411 or something like he had, yeah. he had $400 in his bank account before winning the Giller prize, which is the biggest prize for a writer in the country. Yeah. Um, he was celebrated at a gala. Everybody's like, wearing a tuxedo dinner yeah, was probably $500 totally. a plate and everybody congratulated yeah. him. Yay. You made it. And then he reveals that he's yeah. got this $411 in his bank before that prize. And it changed, yeah, it's, and, and this is saying in this sort of article that he and his wife were just like, this just changed our lives for a little bit, you know, that, but, but it's, um, it's such a huge, uh, and he's, again, like somebody else who you would look at and go like, he's a famous, amazing Canadian writer, like he's published, I can go buy his books all over the place. He must be set. Right. And uh, it's, a, it's a really... Um, such a such a brave thing for him to have to have put out there to shine a light on how how hard it is for mm-hmm. for artists to even the very the very successful ones to just make a make a real go of it. So let's talk about success and who gets to define what success is and how has that changed for yeah. you over the years? What did you think success was going to be, and what does it turn out to be? Um, I think also part of part of what it, what that sort of the, the week that I wrote about in that article, I think part of what was what was sort of starting to change for me was just partly that I was getting older. I think I was maybe 30 or about to be 30. Um, and I had moved in with my boyfriend, who I'm now married to, I have a baby with. Um, but there was something about just my um, kind of adult responsibility life, kind of being feeling more in that mm-hmm. and feeling like, oh, this is actually... It's, it, it can't, for me, it can't just be, am I doing satisfying artistic work? Um, I, I still, I want to be able to feel like I'm making a living and I'm contributing to my, to my family. And, and there are things that we want to be able to do. And that is, that is important to me in a way that I don't know that I really realize. And that also kind of made me feel like, oh, well, am I, am I like not, am I less of an artist then if I'm worried about my finances? 
instead of just pursuing the art. You know, there was that too, that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, am I not as the person who's like, oh, I don't care if I'm, you know, if I only eat craft dinner, as long as I can just do the really good and pure art, am I less of an artist? Because I'm like, well, no, actually, like sometimes I want to take a vacation Um, or like go on a date and like eat at a, at a restaurant, you know, that there's kind of, I had to sort of reconcile that, you know, like, Oh, am I, am I actually not, does this mean that I actually can't handle it? That I, that I actually can't, I'm, I'm one of those people who couldn't cut it as an actor because it was too hard. And, uh, you're just making different choices, right? with, With all of that. You're, you're yeah, making yeah. choices, you know, okay, this maybe is a role. I know you've, you've done some television roles that you're not like super excited about maybe, but they've paid the bills mm-hmm. and then you'll take on a play that's exactly, that is, that's exactly it. yeah, not financially yeah. rewarding in any way, but is so stimulating and exciting and thrilling on an artistic yeah, level. Yeah. So it's okay to make those choices. And I think, I think I have to, but I think I didn't quite realize that. I also had had pretty early in my career had done some film stuff and actually just kind of made a lot of money right away and was able to live off of that. And I don't, so I think I had a little bit of a delayed introduction to being a starving artist because I'd I'd actually done quite well, like right out of the gate and then had just kind of a normal, regular struggling actor career after that. But I had a little bit of a boost. So it took me a little that, while to, to kind that, of know what. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Stone Angel. Yeah, Stone Angel. That was that's an amazing yeah, performance, yeah. by the way. Like, I think that was the first show I ever saw you in, and then I saw you in a bunch of theater productions. And, I mean, honestly, what a great talent! It's uh, sometimes when I hear you speak, I think, gosh, if if only you could feel. Um, as strong in how wonderful you are as the people who get to see you think of you like that would be amazing, but maybe somehow it pushes you to, to do better. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think there's always, I think that there's, uh, you always kind of want to do better and always want to challenge yourself. Like I'm always a little bit worried if something is easy. I'm kind of like, Oh, am I just phoning it in? Like, am I just doing the thing that's easy rather than I really like something that's hard where I kind of go like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. Mm. Um, and, and the work to kind of figure out how to do that. But then it means I'm always in a, in a process going, I don't know how to do this. I'm not very good at this. It's hard. Um, rather than being able to be in it and, and feel really confident and kind of secure in it. So it's a bit of a, I, I really like that struggle, but then it also makes me feel like maybe I'm going to fail. Um, and everybody's going to know. <laughs> and then there's going to be reviews talking about how bad I was in that thing. Um, so it's uh, have have you ever yeah, failed? Um, have you had a bad review, and di- and did you survive it? And I suspect you survived it. And what did you learn from the bad review? Because I've done jobs that I'm not proud of. It's been a while, but definitely I can yeah. think back to jobs and think I I really sucked at that one. I feel like I haven't. I can remember one like er, earlier on. I was doing a production of like Twelfth Night that got the whole production got kind of slammed. But I can remember being particularly taken to task on a few things, but in part because I was being sort of reviewed as a, it was just after Stone Angel. And so I was being reviewed like I was a film person trying to do a play where all my Stone Angel press had been like, oh, this like little theater actor is making her film debut, but all of a sudden I'd done this movie and now I'm a film person trying her hand at the legitimate stage. So, so that I found that really hard and it, and that actually made me, 
really want to, I felt like I, I want to be a theater person. I don't want to be like a film actor who's like trying to do a play. So I, I found that I carried that with me that I, I felt like I really wanted to, I really rejected this, any of the sort of film um, associations, which is now I think like so dumb, but, but at the time it really, that I, I was really affected by that. And I think I still am actually where I really feel like I want to, my identity is like this stage actor who happens to do, I do as much film and TV often in a year as I do theater, sometimes more. I have a very kind of 50, 50, uh, career, but it, that, that kind of bad review really changed the way I, uh, wanted to be identified. Um, and since then, I think I've done okay. I try not to read, to read. I don't read anything while I'm doing a show, but I totally go and look at them later because I'm curious. But my interest kind of wanes. I think I'm going to go and read everything, and I read two, and I'm like, oh, I'm bored. Um, so it's a. Uh, I get. I think more offended if the thing as a whole gets sort of misunderstood or, or dismissed. Yeah. So I think I generally do okay. <laughs> yeah. interview so far thank god ultimately that I one think, that really like yeah changed things ultimately i think you you want to tap into knowing whether you did a good performance on your own without having to refer to anybody else yes. yeah 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 it's true and and but that is also hard to feel like because we it's hard to to maintain perspective sometimes and we do look outside for somebody to go yes that's resonating with me or that i enjoyed that or it seems to be working. Um, so it's, it's hard. I find that I try to keep it sort of within, you know, if my, if I trust my director and my director is happy with the thing that I'm doing, then I try to just stay true to that instead of thinking about what anybody else may be thinking. And I, I find I have gotten more, if I'm doing a play more, I stay more kind of insulated through the run of it and try not to I don't want people to talk to me about it. I don't, I stay off of mm-hmm. social media. I don't like when people send me emails telling me what they thought. Like I don't, I want to just kind of show up and do the work right? and then maybe talk about it later. But so that I'm not going like, Oh God, that person, even if it's good, even if it's like somebody said they liked that thing. Now I'm thinking about that thing in a way, rather than just doing, just doing it and doing my job. Absolutely. It's sort of, they, they come, they, those things become, They've been they've been given sort of a uh, a value um, in a way that can change my my kind of path through it. Because I'm like, oh, they like that moment. This is a good moment, you know. And then it becomes a thing rather than just part of the part of the story. I'd be all like, um, oh, they so like I've that to, that moment. I'm going to milk that moment now. And then of course I would ruin that moment going forward. So I think it's, yeah, you, or you think about it, or you're like, somebody idea. told me this was funny and nobody laughed this time. Like, so what's wrong with it? I must have done something wrong this time. Right. So there's. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a weird, it's weird to kind of, I mean, so I feel like I do more of that now and try to sort of stay away from what anybody else thinks of, thinks of the thing, uh, while I'm, while I'm doing it. Right. Now, having been doing this for a little bit longer now, you've been in the game a little bit longer. So you've seen some peaks and you've Uh seen some valleys. And even after the intermission article that you wrote, I remember reading um, that you had a similar period where you were at a big swishy TIFF premiere of of the movie uh, Hyena Road <laughs> and yet you had a starring yeah. role and you were badass which was really fun um, so there's another 
in in the public's eye anyway, there's another peak. And so then here comes another valley. Does at least it help you to have some of those historical peaks and valleys behind you? I know for the interior designers listening, they're, they're imagining the times that the economy's gone into a recession. You know, our business goes uh-huh. right down yeah. in the hole. And then when the economy is booming, our business goes right back up. And when it turns down again, boom, down in the hole. So does that help you a little bit, just yeah. having that perspective? Yeah, I think to 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 know that it it's always going to be like that, and it's always going to be up and down, and to to I think to like never get too comfortable in the when things are things are like I'll do kind of a bunch of TV, and then I get a whole pile of money, and I'm like, great, <laughs> now I feel okay, and and it's I think I am starting to um, be better at going, okay, how do I now? It's like anybody really, like just to be like, how do I sort of squirrel this away or how do I budget or how do I make sure that, that, you know, what, that I'm able to take care of myself and my family later when things are not good. Um, and to kind of always be, to just to never assume that there won't be another, um, uh, valley kind of around, around the corner when, when things are good. And to remember that the financial part being an actor is very weird because in theater you make so little money and it's if you're doing independent theater it's like basically minimum wage a contract at minimum wage so like minimum wage for six weeks and then if but film and tv pays so much money so so things can be quite bad and then you get a couple of days on a tv show and you're okay again so it's it's a it can those peaks and valleys can come a peak can kind of come out of nowhere very fast. Um, and uh, it's like impossible to, to know often how that's when, when those are coming. Um, where I feel like a valley is a little bit more, more predictable um, and generally just lasts lasts a lot longer. Um, <laughs> and we're all it's really weird. Like I don't know if that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, like it's too, like when things are good, they're great. Um, and, uh, and then when they're not there, they're really not. Um, and there's also just, I don't know if this is, uh, true for interior designers, but there's really just a lot of actors. So we're highly replaceable. And, um, and it's, and I think particularly for women, I mean, there's, I'm a, like a white 35 year old blonde woman. There's a million of me. So, so it's, I can never assume that and, and a million of me who are really great so it's not even like I'm the only one who can act uh you know it's like every they're they're great I have like my peers are um, amazing there are amazing women in my kind of um like category so it's it really it, in a lot of ways doesn't matter how uh how good you are sometimes because we're all pretty good yeah um and there's only so many jobs. Uh, so it's an interesting. So you prepare, you, you prepare yourself, right? You do the very best work you can and you take the, sometimes yeah. you take the job that you're not a hundred percent sure is going to be your favorite job, but you put your whole self into it. And then the next peak will yeah. come along for sure. I had this roommate yeah. in, yeah. Uh, when I went to university at Cal state long beach and every single job she was up for, she lost the part to Mayor Winningham. And 
I can't look at Mayor <laughs> Winningham now without thinking like you stole my friend's career. You stole wow. her every part. She lost to Mayor Winningham, but I guess that's a good person oh to God. lose to if you're going to. So there's lots of people who yeah, do yeah. what we do and they're great at it. So you just have to prepare yeah. yourself to take advantage of those opportunities that come to you. Can I ask you about a category like we didn't talk about ahead of time, but just what about envy? You know, what about, you know, we look uh-huh. at a, an interior design magazine and you see this person that you've known forever and they've got a cover, or they've got this great room and immediately yeah. they're amazing and I'm a loser. Like you must experience yes. some of that in your career. So how do you deal with that? Oh, totally. I totally do. It's hard. I have to really, uh, yeah, I think, and I, I think I might also just be like a naturally kind of like jealous, envious person. And I think other people are maybe better at managing that or they just don't talk about it. But I find it, I, I find it really, I find that hard. Um, I, when I see, I mean, it's, it depends. Sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, yes. She's like perfect for that. And, and you know, that I, it's, I don't, I, sometimes I don't, but there's, you know, when I see people kind of working it, like I've never, I've never been to, I've never worked at a big festival. I've never worked at Stratford and I see people going there and there's something in my kind of, you know, when I was in theater school, that's like all I wanted to do. And so when I see people kind of getting jobs there, I'm so envious. When I think about it in the reality of my life, I have a family. I live here. Like I don't actually want that would be very difficult for me. I don't actually want to go and do that, but I'm still totally envious of the people who get to go and do it. Yeah. It's, it's, I struggle with that a lot and feeling like I'm not being terribly, um, generous or, uh, but it's just kind of petty. Um, right. and you know, then feeling like a bad person. <laughs> uh, so there's, I, I get that, you know, I get that a lot. I don't feel a lot of, um, I think because the rejection uh, level is so high that I don't, you know, I don't generally, there are very few jobs that I will audition for that I am then really angry about not getting or really kind of hurt or jealous about not getting. I sort of assume I'm not going to get them. So, so that isn't, I think there's probably people who feel it on a more regular basis than I do because I never, um, I don't, I and I'm maybe not invested in that way in kind of every, every job I'm, I'm pursuing, but I absolutely see when I see other people kind of doing very well, because I'm also assuming lots of things about what that means. So I do exactly the thing that is done to me where I kind of go, Oh, she's made it. She's got this job, this amazing job. So she, she's like doing really well and must be really happy, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that at all. Right. She could be having a terrible time. She could hate that show. It could be a terrible show. She could be working with awful people. But, and so I, I'm totally guilty of doing exactly the same thing of assuming that other people have these kind of wonderful, secure, artistically satisfying lives. Right. Um, I, t- I absolutely do that. You know what? Sometimes I'll just say, um, um, I'll just make a point of saying like, great for her. I'm so glad for her. Like, that's amazing for her. And sometimes I can just talk myself into feeling that way, which I think is a high, a yeah. be- better high road for me, for sure. But you're so right. You know, you, you can't yeah. compare your insides to someone's outsides, right? We have no idea yeah. what's going on at the moment that somebody's, you know, called upon to have a moment in the sun. We have no idea if they aren't going through a 
horrible, mm-hmm. painful divorce or bankruptcy or yeah. who, who knows, you know, who knows. So I guess, so, yeah. so I guess a lot of what we're talking about is just growing in our maturity as human beings. Uh, you know, as we get older, mm-hmm. we get an opportunity to be more mature. So as we, as we wrap up the conversation and thank you so much for your time, like what would you say you've learned about success then? If you could, if you could project into the future, Christine Horn, um, how do you want to view success going forward in your life? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I have to look more to, I think it's, I, I, I'm not really sure because I'm, I still really struggle with it, but I think it's something about even just that kind of the, the pursuit of that and feeling, feeling more like, um, I'm defining it for, for myself and being able to identify it when I'm, when I'm kind of in it and, and not based on what other people kind of think, um, of my success or, or what it is compared to somebody else's success. I think, uh, I think that my, that for me, I have to really just kind of, keep it um how do I articulate this uh, that it's more of an internal yeah that it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else right um there's a, I feel like I'm so I can't I can't I can't phrase this in a way that is useful but that it's it's um it's is not it about contentment it's not an like external, inner external, contentment versus yeah I think so just feeling like feeling like ha- I think also just not being like not being stressed out yeah. I think, I think it's like an, a level of anxiety and fear that is, that doesn't make me feel good and doesn't make me feel like I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm actually okay with that stuff on an, on an artistic level. Like my whole job is just like performance anxiety. Like that's like, there's that stuff is never going to go away. But in, in, in just the rest of my life, if I could, if I could, you know, do my art and also just feel like kind of comfortable in the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that would be, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and the thing is there is no yeah, fairy so. godmothers to come and give you that. Right. So that's something we all have to yeah. work for on our own and just even yeah. acknowledging yeah. that I, I want that. I want to feel that peace and contentment, um, from within yeah. versus waiting for the outside world to tell me yeah. like, this is it. You yes, arrived. Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's a pretty shallow pool yeah. at the I end of the like, day. Totally. Totally. And I feel, I feel like I spent a lot of time sort of all through theater school and then for a little while after waiting for somebody to say, yep, you're an actor, but just waiting to be told yeah. that I was even, could I even do this? Yeah. That this is even like really, you know, it was an interesting um, rather than, than just being able to sort of sit in that now, and this, this, this is what I do and who I am. Um, and, uh, yeah, these kind of out, like, you know, that was one kind of external thing that I was able to let go of. And I think there's so many more of those that I, that I need to really really work on. Yeah. And all of us for sure. Everybody's going to completely to relate to what you shared for sure, even though uh, our careers are so different. We always end the podcast with something called design intervention. And it's just a, a tip 
an actionable idea, something that's helped you in your life that you think um, other people could benefit from. And and you're the most outlier interview we've ever done. So this might be putting uh-huh. putting you on the spot here, but is there some like kind of tip or technique or business strategy or anything that someone shared with you? And don't worry about whether or not it relates. I bet it does. Interesting. I feel like in a lot of ways, the only, uh, sometimes the only power I feel like we have as actors is to say no to things Mm -hmm. and to, because so often we have to just take the job. I think that there's a lot of power in, in being able to say, no, I don't want to be a part of that. And, and having a a hand in shaping your own um, career and your own kind of body of work. And of course, like, as we've been talking about, everybody needs to just make a buck. And sometimes you just have to just take the thing, but when when we can to be able to um, really choose the things that we want to uh, have a hand in creating, um, I think that that is I think that's important. Wow. Um, I think that's important to do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Honestly, I think that's that may be the best design intervention I've ever heard. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's unbelievable. Wow. Thank you. Well, it doesn't surprise me. You're an amazing, um, smart woman. You know, your sister's invaluable uh, to me. And she's, she's, by the way, that person um, who, when I think of impeccable integrity, Cheryl is the person I think of immediately. She really lives that. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in lots more wonderful shows and uh, especially lots of great theater shows. Can't wait. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for being part of the business of design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.